Welcome to episode 652 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, welcome along to episode 652 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. How about yourself? Had a haircut. Had a haircut. Nice. Haven't got a real job yet, but I've got the haircut. Get a haircut. Pop quiz, who sang it? Absolutely no idea. You, was, I was well impressed you knew the song. Yeah. George Thorogood. Okay. Yep. Get a haircut and get a real job. Get it together like your big brother Bob. Uh, I'm talking proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Galactic Buffer. And our patrons. John Moore, let's name a couple. Jack Cousteau Lynch. We've got Colin Hungry Like Wolf Durant. And Michael Diggett Dooley. Good old Diggett Dooley. This week's show, we've got a. Uh, some news Hot topic of the week It's quiet time of year So I made up a high five Yes Dr. I haven't, I haven't even seen it yet <laughs> And then uh, You're doing a bit of Coach's Corner We are Yeah I'm just, I, th- I thought last week we, we discussed a bit of the mental side of things With uh, Anna Marie Who we had on And I thought I'll talk through What I do uh, I was just I was going through this last night What I do in a race And what my Challenges are And how I sort of Mentally get through my day Okay, and then we have uh, one question and answer. It's more of a comment at the end, and then uh, that's pretty much the show. And Wanger of the Week. We're going to look at Wanger of the Week well, in a bit more detail. Oh, we're going deep into yeah. Wanger of the Week. Yes. A deep Wanger, you could say. Uh, okay, news. We, unfortunately, Collins Cup isn't happening in 2019. No great surprise there. No, but do we, do, is it one of those professional organisations that we're never going to see? Well, they've, they've, made, they've made a move to, to hopefully that we do see them because uh, they've now got the appoints a financial advisor, the Professional Triathlon, Triathletes Organisation. They've got a, gr- a group called North Point Advisors um, who uh, I assume have lots of dollars and advice to give them. Um, but that's, they're, they're a blue chip, uh, hold on, the triathlon space is hugely valuable and has blue chip demographic but is too fragmented. The PTO has a unique opportunity by acting collectively and together with its strategic partners to consolidate the audience and fan base and capture a sizable part of that value. And that was from David Jack Queen, who is the CEO of North Point Advisors. So um, yeah, you've still got the, the some key players in there. You know, Tim O'Donnell's got a comment in there. Rachel Joyce has got a comment in there. And I think they've a lot of those vets are still involved and, and want to see it happen. But it's one of those things, if you're going to do this Collins Cup right, do it, you do it right. There's no point going in and going, oh, you know, we'll have $100,000 prize money and hope everybody's going to turn up. This has got to be awesome. It's got to be like Super League, you know, big money, have everybody there and make everybody want to be there for whatever reason, whether it be financial or, or however you structure it. But, uh, yeah. There's no point. So Rachel Joyce is the co-president along with Tim O'Donnell and then they've still got Char- Charles Adamo who was driving the ship and now they've got another fella on uh, as well. And hopefully um, now they've got this guy David on working with Charles, it won't be such uh, maybe a, a one-horse organisation and hopefully we can How's see How's it been progress. funded so far? Sorry? How's it been funded so far? Uh, I've got no idea. I, I, I mean, I think they're all just pitching in I don't think they've really got any funds I mean I think initially they were trying to get athletes to to buy in and have a membership to the PTO don't yeah. know if that's still going or not um, that's not going to be enough to pay for income but is no it? 
They need to have somebody like the bloody prince come along or some somebody who's got a passion for triathlon like and go, boom, here's three million bucks, a million to organise it, a million to put on the race and, I don't know, a couple of million prize money. There's one of the problems they face because, you know, it's talking about being a collective for pro athletes in general, but there's one of the problems they face is that we have kind of different sports within the sport, you know, because the ITU guys don't need this so much. Well, the ITU have their own athletes that's what I mean. Commission organisation, so they don't need it. Um, and they make good money, and they're looked after. Mm-hmm. Good money's a relative. I understand what you're saying, but they're, they're, they're in a totally different world. Yeah, that's what I mean. And, and they're with their national federations, and they probably have a lot less um, voting power in terms of it's more than national organisations are organising the sports along with ITU. Whereas Ironman is just fragmented, it's just athletes and race, race organisers. So yeah, I think this is very much an Ironman based thing and yeah, I just hope that it's a good concept um, but they just need the money. It's good to cross the line, don't they? Mm. That first time, if they can prove it, as you say, if they can prove it to be a success, you know, because the premise that they had for going into Rote, when was it last year? Was it meant to happen? It was, wasn't it? Because we were there for the first year announcement, yes. and it was meant to happen last year. Yeah, the idea is awesome. Mm. If they can get all the all the rock stars there, it would be all the talk of the town. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, but yeah, and I think there is a desire from the athletes. It's just you need you need a bunch of people to make it happen, and you need the money. Yep. Well, so. besides the saying. Uh, but well, fingers crossed they do turn things around. We had a big race over the weekend at Dubai 70.3. And, and girls sort of things, maybe not so much of a surprise, but the men's race is interesting, isn't it? Well, it is. And I mean, the big disappointment, you know, we were talking about this last week. We've got to remember, this is round one of the Triple Crown. You win all three races in the Triple Crown and you get a million bucks. Uh, and it's going to turn out to be a bit of a fizzer on the men's side. But the women's side, you know, I think we'll, there'll definitely be some interest there because uh, Holly Lawrence had a fantastic race and shows that she's getting back towards her best. Uh, she really, you know, didn't dominate but was won relatively comfortably in front of um, Anne Haug uh, so Holly Lawrence swam 24-24 she biked 2.11 and then ran a good strong 1 hour 20-27 and Haug came storming home with a 116 but it wasn't enough she was still over you know over a minute and a half behind and then Sarah Lewis from Great Britain was in third another eight minutes back so kind of expected those two to be duking it out um, which order they were kind of come in was the interesting ones so Holly Lawrence went four hours and four seconds uh, and so she's got a legitimate chance of taking home the series you know especially given she's a 70.3 specialist doesn't you know 100% um, doesn't do iron distance um, whereas the only spanner in the works potentially is you know um, Daniela Reef at 70.3 world champs and if she's on form it could be a pretty hard task but she's put herself in the reckoning which is fantastic so good on her good good to see her um, on her way back on the male side yeah. you know the pictures was pictures of Brownlee with the prince and you're thinking this is going to be Brownlee versus Blumenfeld and for whatever reason Brownlee uh, didn't race. I think the announcement was made earlier in the week. Um, so that's a shame. It is he's a shame, bit, isn't it? He's, he's very fickle these days. He's hot and mostly hot and cold. Well, But when has he last been hot? Well, he's, 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 three world champs. he's still got, yeah, 70.3 world champs. He wasn't at his peak but he was... He was warm there. How much, when we think back to 2018, how, how often did we see Brownlee race and how successful was it? Like 2018 didn't 
obviously not a memorable year in a, in a career like that, but it is interesting. The discussion is fair to have. Have we, have we seen Lester Brownlee? Oh, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. Um, I'm just looking him up on the uh, uh, OBST try. No, I can't find anything. Uh, I'm not, not quick enough off, off the mark. But yeah, he, he was pretty seldom racing. He was doing some great commentary. I really enjoy his commentary on yeah. the, the Super League. Uh, yeah, I definitely think we've seen the, the, the best of him in the past. Um, Question is, have we seen the last of him? Yeah, he's sort of still making noises about that, you know, 70 point th- about um, going to... Um, the Olympics. The Olympics. Last year, he, he won the Ironman 70.3 in China. Uh, and this is the 70.3 results. And then he had his uh, his second place at 70.3 Worlds. That's not too shabby. He wasn't that far off the pace. Uh, and he definitely did a couple of challenge races as well. But, yeah, fairly thin pickings. Mm. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was a real shame he... Pulled out, and then you think, okay, well, will Blumenfeld go off and crush it like he did? And he crimped coming out of the swim, and he, he and uh, I don't know, I don't know how far into the bike he got, um, but he didn't finish, um, so ended up being a bit of a fizzer. So in the end, um, full credit to Adam Bowden, who is from Great Britain. He had a really dominating display. He swam twenty three thirty eight, then he rode two o two eighteen, which is sort of on par with the other fellas who were in the top handful, and then he pulled off an awesome one hour ten thirty five. So nice racing. So Adam Bowden, he, he's a He's been in, around for quite a while. He's uh, raced ITU for a long time. He was born in 1982, so he's not like he's a spring chicken. Just he looks like, if you look at his photo, you almost think he's an all-black. Yes, uh, true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, he looks like a bit of a big unit, or, or you only see his head, but he just looks like, seriously, if you had the all-black photos and that picture was in there, you go, mm-hmm. oh, he's an all-black. And, and I think this really shows the strength of the ITU when guys like Adam Bowden, he was one of those guys there or thereabouts, usually finishing somewhere between, say, 5th and 20th. So he's, he's always there or thereabouts. Yep. But it's Good very, athlete, but not yeah, great. But, but not great. Come across to um, long course, and he had a great race there, and I think he was maybe about 7th at 70.3 World Champs. Come across, and you're, you know, you're one of the top at going from a, you know, around about a third of the way through the field to being uh, right up at the front. So uh, good to see him uh, making that transition across and could be could be a bit of a threat at quite a few races. It's good times, rock and roll. We also had... Oh, hold on. So we, and we also had uh, good old... The, the the shark, he likes his name a lot better than the professor, Finn Zwager. He was... Oh, he liked the shark, did he? He, he, he okay, was happy with good. the shark. He said course, course accuracy oh, course was, you, was yeah, pretty good. Um, he said a lot less wind than, uh, than last year. And he said, despite the road signs in Arabic and the many tri-bikes, there were quite a few cyclists who still thought they were in the Tour de France. <laughs> but after last year's draft fest, lots of people had volunteered to draft bust, and that helped quite a lot. The course gets very busy and the race was sold out. So partly to blame as Ironman for accepting so many entries. Um, and he also said, uh, in Dubai, if it's a two or three lane road on the bike course, they're not highways. In Dubai, only four, five and six lane roads qualify as highways. It's quite funny when you come from Christchurch, we've got a few dual carriageways and that's, yeah. uh, we're going, that's our motorway. I remember that's, when I was a kid, here we go, when I was a kid, a kid, I billeted at my house and he was from like, Gore or something, so not even that, like some random little small town. And 
He went to Christchurch and he saw a two-lane street and he thought that was mind-blowing. Imagine <laughs> <laughs> going like LA, yeah. places like that. And so, the, the other interesting point that Finn made, he said, unlike the pros, perhaps the age group field was very competitive. Uh, lots of people have travelled from Europe to Dubai to get a slot for the 70.3 worlds oh, okay. in Nice. And uh, Nice is going to be fantastic. It's going to be a popular race too, isn't it? Oh, it's going to be bloody it's, hard to qualify. Yeah, totally. Like, you know, because South Africa was a bit challenging. You know, lots of people were... Oh, when we think about where is it easier to get slots in, South Africa is a harder location to get to. Uh, so last year, giving away slots. Yeah, totally. Whereas this year, Europe A, we know the triathlon is so popular there. So you've got to get lots of great athletes in Europe mm. trying to get there. Um, cool and location. B, it's a great location. Yeah. And but yeah, man, trying to get a spot any, at any race in Europe is going to be ser- you're going to have to be seriously good. And we're going to have the same challenge down here in New Zealand in 2020. Oh, we of have, course, because we've only got. There will only be two races in New Zealand. In Australia. All the Aussies will come over to do those and they'll clean out half the spots, if not more. There'll be, there's a, How many races in Australia can you qualify in? How many 70.3s are there? I'm going to take a guess that there's probably about five, I'm, I'm saying maybe, five or six, something yeah. like that. Not that many. It'll be uh, interesting to see how, how appealing it is to the American and European athletes. Oh, I think to Americans it'll be appealing. Yeah, definitely. It's just because it's just at the tail end of the season, sort of going into winter, but it's not. Still uh, a bit of fitness in, yeah. your, in your belt. In your so belt. Should be a good race. Well, wait, 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 up. The Shark was saying it was a well organised race and has become the real routine now in Dubai. Another Hamburg 70.3. So there you go. Uh, we also had a kind of an epic race. Uh, first time being run in New Zealand called the Kiwi Man. And uh, good old Gareth and. Girl, Gareth and Terry went and did it. Um, it was the first, I think it was it's kind of the first official race last year. They did it, I think, more as a trial, trial event yeah. and kind of did it. Um, but it's in Taranaki, which is in the 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 Naki. the Naki in the North Island. They've got a beautiful mountain up there, and this is where the ba- the, the race is based around. Uh, is it still an active volcano or not? I don't think so, but it's a beautiful yeah, mountain because there's not a lot of mountains around. It's just kind of like just sitting there by itself. Beautiful place. Not that I've been there. I've only been to. Taranaki once in my life. Yeah, I've been to Naki, but again, I think it was just for work. Yeah. You kind of come and you go. Uh, so they're basically doing like a X try up there, and they had the race director from Norseman out, and I think they're hoping to make it into a part of the X try series next year. Very small field this year. Um, I think they only had maybe seven or so individuals and a, and a bunch of teams. It looked like they had about 25 all up on the start line. Um, it's set up by a guy called Blair Clock, Cox, who had been off to uh, done Norseman himself and he wanted to set something up here. And yeah, it looks like we're going to try to expand it next year, try to be part of the series. Um, in the end, we had, who took it out? Uh, I have got that written down there somewhere. Kathy Eggers from Napier won the women's race and Paul Vorend of Wellington was the winning man. And Gareth and Thierry did it. I think they did it as a team. I'm not sure if together, but they said it was a, just a totally different vibe to Ironman. There's hardly any people there. Yeah. It's you, know, you against uh, the course. And it goes back to the adventure of the sport, doesn't it? Yeah, they, they enjoyed it. You need a support crew, again, with this one, um, and you need to make sure you know where you're going. You know, not A lot of these events, often it's not um, necessarily you know, signposted, so you need to know where you're going and have a support crew. But they said, uh, Gareth <laughs> said over Facebook to me, definitely going back next year to do the individual, and this was a, a shared conversation with his wife, Terry, and she goes, Oh, okay. So apparently Gareth's going back. <laughs> <laughs> Big <laughs> mistake, Gareth. Maybe I need to brush up on my support crew duties. You've got to talk to your partner before you release it to the world. Mm. And uh, good stuff. So if you want to check that out, they have got a website. Uh, or at least I'll put a link to their Facebook page, Kiwiman X Try. Um, well, you go facebook.com slash Kiwiman X Try. So check that out. 
John's eye to your update. What's been happening? Well, um, good old Finn, who's been uh, prolific on the show today. He also sent me through a couple of things, and one of them was uh, an article about uh, Abu Dhabi having a mixed relay, and I didn't realise that. I'm sure it had been announced ages ago, but just made me... You read on the ITU calendar? Yeah, on the ITU calendar. So now, um, Olympics is going to come around real fast, and if you don't know already, there is going to be a mixed relay at the next Olympics. So now there's four relays in the the circuit, and I think we're just going to get more and more athletes starting to specialise in that super, super sprint format. Uh, and it's great to watch. But yeah, four four rounds now where you, yeah, all the countries, is good prize money. Do you see in 10 years from now you'll have, you'll have specific mixed relay athletes? Yeah, definitely. I think it's coming now. Oh, really? Yeah, so like, people who won't get in the Olympic distance? Yeah. And just purely there to... And, and they are, maybe they are, they are very good. You know, when, a, when you think about a, a, some of the really good Super League athletes, um, someone like a Hayden Wilde from New Zealand, he might not quite yet have it over the Olympic distance, still relatively young, but super fast. Yep. Uh, and also someone like Ben Canute doesn't quite have the le- the running legs over 10Ks, but he's a really good swimmer and can just drop the hammer on the bike. And because it's often non-drafting on the bike, he can utilise that weapon. So his gain. And then he's not a bad runner, but he's not a top 10 runner. But the advantage of, because he's not drafting on the bike, he's got enough gain to kind of maintain mm. it. So it's an exciting format, looking forward to it. And I still... I, I predicted, I think, a few years ago that the Tokyo would be a sprint distance race. I don't think it will be at this stage, given they've probably already no, announced, no, of course. No, yeah. But I definitely think in a few uh, probably the next Olympics, we're going to see everything getting shorter. So uh, what, you don't think there'll be Olympic distance at all? Well, there will be on the, the, the circuit, no, but, but I think Olympics, I reckon it'll go sprint distance. But if sure. the Olympics go sprint distance, do you get rid of the Olympic distance on the, the circuit? The name? Um I'd like to see a bit of variety. So you have some sprint race, you have some Olympic, you have some, you know, I don't think they'll ever go down the path of having the the, the indoor triathlon, but, geez, I wouldn't be surprised. What's the chance of getting three medals at the Olympics? So Olympic distance, sprint distance, and teams? None. Okay. Yeah, no, I'd say next to none. You know, the way the bloody, they're talking about the Olympics, you know, it's like Tiddlywinks is going to be included in the next Olympics. Yeah. So well, then in that case, things. you could argue three, there'd be more chance. Yeah, but, uh, but imagine, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me that much if somebody comes up with a bit more of an indoor format where pool swim, everybody's jumping on Zwift and you can interact, you know, it'd be quite, I, I don't know, just looking into the future and then you jump off and, here we go, here we go, and here whether we go. or not you have some, so again, you're sort of Zwifting on a treadmill run or something like that. I, I don't know, but I, I, I definitely think somebody's going to come up with something like that further down the track once you can make it a, a fair race. So the you know kickers and, and so on is still... If they're not exactly calibrated, is it all 100% fair? But I don't think we're too far off from seeing something like that. And again, that would have a lot more, you know, it's all about the money at the Olympics now. It's all about well, ga- here's a question for you, gaming and all that sort of yeah, well, shit. How do you feel about that? It's ridiculous because <laughs> I'm a traditionalist, but it's happening, so you've got to adapt. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we do see the indoor format sort of coming in. Sport, because sport's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because is gaming sport? You know? No. It's, it's competition, but isn't it? It is. It's a competitive leisure activity. Yeah. But you know what? Gaming gets a lot more people watching it than triathlon. Hell yeah. You know, those, those gaming worlds are huge. And I know nothing about them. Not do I. The, the, and I the, don't want to, but it's mental. I'm sure. Does Thomas watch it? Uh, you know, he, he, he does Roblox. What's that? Um, 
don't really know, but it's a yeah. <laughs> game that they can. He doesn't do Fortnite. Uh, well, everybody else, when they, they say, do you do Fortnite? And they, he goes, no. And they're like, really? Yeah. So then then limited computer time. Yeah, it's, it's More a, than I would like still, though. Yeah, it's a hard thing in today's world. Okay, it was, it was an interesting time. Somebody's having toast around here. I love the smell of toast. I like a bit of toast too. What do you have for breakfast every morning? Do you have toast for breakfast? Um, no, I don't, I'm, a, I'm reasonably low bread intake these days. But I do love toast with a good bit of peanut butter on it. Oh, I, I, every morning, every morning, John. I have, I have, I have two bits of tomato on toast with hummus. Yes, and then half a bit of toast with the peanut butter. Do you layer it on real thick? Yeah, yeah. I, I go do. like my my. Oh, no, peanut, I know because you've had peanut butter. My yeah. peanut butter layer is I had, as I had a, thick a, a as jar of peanut, peanut butter. butter. And, but it's gone half of it gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was on one sandwich. <laughs> but it's really challenging for me over winter. You know, this is a real problem for me over Tell the me summer holidays. Because Thomas, the kids are at home and Thomas has got a really bad peanut allergy, can't have peanut butter, butter when they're around the house. Ugh. So I have to wait till they get back to school and then I can start having my peanut butter again. Oh, so what, you have it once he's gone to school? Yeah. And by the time he's gone home, it's disappeared? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's tough in our house. Like, I, I feel your pain. Tough. I feel your pain. John. Oh, so sorry, sorry. But the other thing on the ITU roundup. So four relays this year, which is up from one. There's spread three sprint distances in the series, which was actually the same as last year, but um, it's more than I thought there was. And there's five Olympic distance races going to culminate in Lausanne, for, which should be a really, really good world champs this year. Okay, good times. Uh, this week's discussion. So John was kind of curious to see if you guys were interested in a multi-day format and if you were what kind of format would you want to see and would you be kind of someone who'd want to sign up for it and we got some people coming through with some answers even the old pessimist said you're not going to get anything you're going to get no comments and i got got to admit i was going on there yesterday thinking there's not going to be many comments here but there are some good comments so like like, good old jt took it pretty serious egan spoon race cheese rolling water slide race triathlon beer mile People encourage me to do the BMI. We have a BMI on Christchurch each year. It's, it's got very little appeal to me. <laughs> Who runs it? Uh, we've got the Shags run it. The Southern Hemisphere Age Group. Oh, the, group. there's a Facebook, Facebook group, yeah. isn't there? And uh, why don't you do it, John? I don't know. It just doesn't appeal to me. you'd probably win it, wouldn't you? Uh, no, I'm not a very fast drinker. You need to be a fast drinker and a steady runner rather than a faster runner, slower drinker. Yeah. I went the first time when Daniel McDonald did it. Mm-hmm. Who won it? I can't remember, but somebody. Who's Andrew Black? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Is he still around? Oh, yeah, I haven't seen him for years, but he is. Yeah. Yeah. He went crazy in the first two laps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was about the end of it. <laughs> he sp- I, mean, yeah, he sp- I just remember him sprinting, and he was smashing back the beers. Yeah. And I seem to remember the wheels fell off. Yeah. I remember it was spewing was happening, but... <laughs> Yeah, it was good times. Toby uh, Schnell said, day one, an enticer, which is like a super sprint sort of triathlon. Day two, a sprint. Day three, a standard. Day four, a 70.3. And day five, an Ironman. Wowzers, that would be quite tricky. That would be very challenging. Good old Arnold's got day one, uh, 1,500 metres TT swim. In the morning, in the afternoon, you do a sprint triathlon. Day two is a reverse half TT. So then you run, bike, swim. So it's a half, too. That's a pretty good distance. Uh, day three is a 150 bike TT. Day four. 150k TT bike. Yeah. 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 Uh, day four is swim run, 500 swim, 5,000 run, 750 swim, 3,000 run. And then day five, uh, Laguna Phuket distances, which is 1.9, 55, and 12k. 
Nice, I quite like. I like some of those ideas, Arno. Good work. Uh, James Bale said the Super League triathlon, two days of racing across different formats for age groupers as well as pros. Age groupers get to race in the morning and then watch the pros in the afternoon. Best weekends. So not quite the five-day format, but yeah, the Super. I'd love to go and do some of that Super League stuff, sort of double, double super sprints and and things like that. It'd be awesome. You did a little bit of your race a few years ago, didn't you? We did have a, for the elites, we had a double super sprint, um, and yeah, people, very challenging, but athletes loved it, loved it. What did they do for age groupers? Um, it's just, it's a, well, first you've got a venue which is warm enough that it's a non-wetsuit swim, that's yep. probably a, one of the big challenges, and you've always got to be conscious with age groupers of the fast people coming up behind the slow ones yeah. and it, like in Ironman it's bad enough but in super sprint stuff you know if and it's got, aggressive in a, in a sprint isn't it yeah. like you know the fast people at the top of the pack it, you know they're going pretty quick aren't they yeah so yeah. that's probably the main challenge good old Lisa Kay's got just yep as long as there's a hotel included and then Carol Cooper's got definitely I like the social aspect of racing too and bringing people together so an event over five days once a year so I didn't end up div- in divorce would be great <laughs> uh, you can see how the Pioneer and other multi-day races have become very popular so the Pioneer was as a five-day epic sort of mountain bike race in New Zealand and it it run took, by Ironman. Yeah, run by Ironman. First couple of years, took a little bit of time to get, get the sort of wheels moving, but they sold out last year and uh, quite early. And um, It's a lot logistically because the first couple of years they went from Christchurch to Queenstown, whereas mm. now it's all based around Queenstown, so logistically yeah. it's a bit easier as well. Lucy Francis, I can't even begin to think of the logistics, the expense, especially if abroad, uh, the constant butterflies in the stomach and all the dirty kit, only to finish it all, come back home and go to work. Saying that, the Marathon des Sables six-day run across the Sahara Desert is on my bucket list. Good old Kenneth Henley's got, I did um, Out to Wears Triathlon in 2018, but I did all three events, the duathlon on Tuesday, long distance on Thursday and short distance on Friday, took the whole focus away from competing and on much, uh, and on to competing, completing, sorry, from competing and on to completing, and I was able to enjoy the experience much more than as if, if I was going hard for a good time, absolutely loved it, and without a doubt, my best triathlon experience to date, what a superb event. That's cool. But obviously, there was probably no prize. Maybe there was a competition where if you did all three, there were some prizes. But that's the kind of thing that I'm thinking of is, is tied in with the existing races. Jane Lonigan says she's just done the Rats Blue Lake Tri Festival with Multisport. Awesome two days of events. Old school, but fun and well run. So up there, they do a, I think an aquathon on the first day. There might be a swim in there as well. And then they do a sprint triathlon on the, the second day. Um, Melissa Yuri's got yeah she is mental she knows that but yeah she knows that Olympic distance type of race over five days doesn't appeal it's weak is what she's saying you softies (laughs) Uh, if it's not all day or night I'm not interested (laughs) you know you're mental for me Epic Fight was pretty amazing Uberman will also be a different format 35 33k swim 633 bike and 214 run so we'll let you know after October which one I prefer that does sound a bit crazy Tim Josephs is reference to the Triple T, total of uh, a full or half Ironman over three to four events. It rocks, sucks. I have, we have talked about Triple T before. That's wicked. They do a super sprint, I think, on the Friday night. And then I think Saturday is two Olympic races in different orders. And then Sunday is a half Ironman. And I do really like, I love the appeal of the Triple T. But it's probably just a bit too long. For, uh, I'd like to go and do it, but I'm thinking more 
like the Iron Tour where you're doing short distance racing yeah. each day. But uh, nice work, Tim. Uh, Chris Hague's got these definitely appeal. I like how Super League is doing it in the events and format they have as going. Island House is also a format that looked great. I would like to include TT stages, team relays, enduros, mix, triple mix and standard five days is a bit much but maybe over two. No, um, Chris brought up a point there. I, I looked at the Island House race and I wasn't What's sure. This year? No, it didn't happen last year. I think it's all done and dusted. So, mm. And I think very, Super League very much took that space and own it now. Yep. And I think that was probably part of the reason. Um, Wayne Walker, definitely. I did Wales Marathon a few years ago as part of the long course weekend and the buzz around Tenby was unbelievable. They uh, only started to try it last year and straight away was uh, into Ironman and have to do that and have to do that full weekend it's booked out for this year okay and lastly i'll do duncan penfold absolutely it uh it's not the answer to your question but i did a marathon recently and i was broken into five runs it totaled 42.2 k's it was lots of uh lots of running you did a hilly half 4.6 k cross country a 5k flat tt 10k uphill and then 1500 meters in the main streets of town that's pretty cool, cool isn't format it? Yeah. i like the light yeah. i like the sound i know they do one in disney where you can do a 5k for one one day and then maybe it's either a 10 or a, or a half marathon the next day, and then a marathon the third day. If you do all the three of those hard, that's one way to get it. The thing with when you're doing tries on cumulative yeah. days, you're not running quite as hard, and you've also got the biking to help um, recuperate as well. Yeah. Last one we've got, Ben Pasala. Um, Friday evening to Sunday would make ideal timings, like the long course weekend, to minimise time away from work. I also did Super League try in Jersey as an age group enduro this year, which was great fun, combining the two and mix and maxing would be perfect. So just going before we go ahead with your thoughts, John, just the discussion around Iron Gill last week, um, in the show, I could always put a link up to when we've released the show on Facebook, and Vicky Jones was talking about the Iron Gill thing in the UK, and she just got an answer to your question. This is the first time, to my knowledge, that there has been an attempt to put an Iron Gill on in the UK. There are lots of reasons that people objected. For me, it was the fact that Ironman is for men and women, and on the same course of equal importance given to both races. Why haven't a 5k only open to women I complete an Ironman my husband supports and yet with Iron Gill he couldn't take part a nice night race or an Iron Fan race would allow supporters to take part there is a place for women only events but not connected to an event that is inclusive Iron Fan that's a good name I have to agree when I read that I was like that's way go, go copy mark that one right now, Vicky. Yeah, no, that's a much better idea. Yeah, so good bit, Vicky. So, um, your thoughts, John? The reason I was bringing this up is because I want to try to organise something like this, and I really want to know if there is enough appeal out there. And so I kind of look at this with with two hats on: what I, something I'd like to do as an athlete, but also something that logistically is not going to mean it's like a million dollars to bloody enter these things and, and a huge hassle so I was thinking you try to work in with existing local events a bit like they do with the long course weekends so if you're not familiar with the long course weekends there's a few on around the world now they generally do a swim you know 3.8k swim on the Friday they'll have like a sportif type ride where you're riding 180ks it's not a TT or a, a formal race or anything like that and then Sunday they'll often com- well they combine that in some places with an official marathon um, so that is more of a running race and then you combine your times um, across all three for the champion um, so yeah I was thinking firstly 
you need to try to make it as cost effective um, unless you have thousands of people that you think are going to enter. So I'm thinking in Christchurch, for example, you know, at our races, we get for the, for the ones I organise, I have two bigger ones that maybe get about 400 people, including all the kids. The other ones maybe more like 150. So realistically, I'm probably only going to be getting maybe 30 to 50 people potentially wanting to yeah. do this. Um, so it's got to be cost effective. The things that really um, cost a lot in events, percentage-wise, is your traffic management, especially when you've got small fields because it still costs the same to the traffic management. So you've got to think about you know, your course design and also the, the water safety as, as race directors are the big cost. Um, variation, I think, is really, really important. So it's not just doing a you know a sprint distance or Olympic distance try every, every uh, day and then trying to work in with local and existing events. So for example, in Christchurch during summer, we have quite a regular um, Wednesday night swimming racing. So you try to think, yep. okay, let's try to tie it in with that. Yeah, nice. and you might try to tie it in with, uh, on the Saturday morning, you might tie it in with a park run um, and then try to t- time it so then you've got a race maybe on the Sunday. Uh, so my format that I quite like the, the look of um, would be on day one, you would do a 1K pool swim TT then you obviously don't need the water safety, you've still got to book a pool. Then you go, most places have got a car racing track that you can you know, potentially hire maybe early in the morning or later in the evening when they're closing so you're not impacting on their sort of normal operating hours and going and doing like a 20 to 30k criterium race there. Uh, and so when, when you do criteriums, you can get bonus seconds for, for sprint laps and what have you. And then uh, in the evening, you would do a cross-country race. Again, no traffic management involved when you're doing cross-country race. And you do, say, a 7K race. That'll be day one. Day two, uh, you do a triple super sprint. Um, so like, uh, like a bit like the Super League, but they're all back-to-back. So you'd swim 250, bike 7K, and run 2K, and do all three of those um, back-to-back. And... What I was sort of saying about the gaming before is you potentially for us, like with our club's got about 20 um, Wahoo kickers, and with that, you could potentially do that poolside. So you could do swim, bike, run. Again, you're cutting down on your traffic management, and as long as you can make that bike leg fair, um, then uh, again, low cost. Uh, you know, low cost event. Day three, you do a sprint triathlon, maybe try to tie that in with a local event. Day four, to keep a bit of variety in there, you try to do like a rough water swim where it's going to be, you know, some waves and proper open water swimming, not lake swimming. An uphill bike TT in Christchurch, we've got, you know, ideal playground for that. Basically no or very limited traffic management required because you don't need to do any turns. And then, uh, and then an uphill run, again, if you can do that on a trail, no traffic management. And then day five, you do an Olympic distance try or possibly an exterior. I'd love to do something like that. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You would too, wouldn't you, Bevan? I can see you're frothing. You're frothing. I'm frothing. Get a, get a tissue or something. It wipe funny, it away. It's funny you say that. I was up in Auckland doing some filming work last week for Les Mills. And at the end of my track, the guy, and, you know, it's pretty high in filming. And with the guy who's working with goes, Bev, you're really throffing. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the video, but apparently I was just a little throff around my mouth. So uh, maybe it's a common thing that's happening to my mouth. Um, yeah, I think when I was into the sport in a big way, that'd be really appealing. Five days is a big commitment. That's the only thing. Isn't it, it is. You know, maybe you need to do it four and like or three. The, the first I reckon day. three is probably the best format because mm. you're gonna everyone can take a day off work or you can do it over a long weekend. Yeah. Um, but five days and, and some days you might have to dub, do a morning and an afternoon. Yeah, totally. 
I just so think yeah. I just don't think five days is going to work. You're really going to limit your people. So if you did two races on Friday morning and afternoon, and then you did two on Saturday, and then you did like an like Olympic a long, on Sunday. Yeah. Mm. yeah I just think I just, when I was reading I was, I, like I love it it'd be really cool I just don't I think you're really limiting your people because mm. basically you've got to take a week off work don't you mm. you know and so if you're going to do whereas if you do a three day you can take a day off work you know you can make it work the way but yeah I, 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 you know, just it's good to try different shit isn't it I think that different is, is we're going to see more and more unique things happening over the next sort of decade I think people want that they want um, exterior type things well that's, what, that's what's good about stuff. Super League as well because um, the great thing about Super League is it's brought back some of the grassroots stuff that made you fall in love with the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, you've always talked about the kind of the league that they had in Australia. What was it called? Uncle Toby's? Uncle, uh, yeah, uh, Formula One. Formula One. You know, and, and, and that seemed to be when triathlon, before the Olympics, where it kind of just put everything into one box. You know, mm-hmm. so once the Olympics came along, you had the Olympics, Olympic distance, and half Ironman, Ironman. It's, the sport kind of just got diluted, really, didn't mm. it? And so, and that's really dominated sport for probably a good 15, 16 years. And now with Macca doing the good work that he's doing, it's kind mm. of opening people up to, oh, triathlon could be more than. Mm. And that's been really great. And now what I imagine is going to happen is that the everyday person wants to experience these races. Mm-hmm. And so for, you know, let's be honest, you've talked about these kind of things on the show forever, mm. but we haven't really seen it come through for age group racing. Mm. And I wonder if with the success of Super League, that local tri clubs are going to go, let's try these things. And, you know, because when you were younger, when Formula One was happening, did the local triathlon clubs have races like this? No, no, they didn't. No, nobody's ever really done it for age groupers. And the, the, the other th- reason why I think it could do well is you know it's getting harder and harder to put on triathlon events but with with these short little super sprint ones like yeah. super league then you can have fairly closed circuit courses yeah, of course. Um, and a little bit easier to organize so if you happen to have a rowing lake nearby yeah. you know you can come up with something there or if your swimming venue has got a few blocks you can do it then you've just got to get strategic about how you actually Make it interesting ma- also just your timings because you know if you've got 400 people on a course you can't it's just physically not possible when you've only got like maybe a, a 4K circuit. Um, and the other thing is, is you could do teams as well. Like you look at your day one, you know, you could have somebody does the swim, someone does the bike, someone does the run. So you can open it up to more people. Um, one area where I don't think there's appeal, and I have somebody in Christchurch who keeps banging on to me, put on a mixed relay for age groupers. Uh, they'd love it. And I'm like, I think they would love it, but nobody's organised enough to get a bloody team to get it together. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I everyone needs a swimmer. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's no, it's more doing a mixed rally. So you do a swim oh, like okay, run, okay. You know, like we see the pros doing in the ITU circuit. It's trying to get enough teams of four to be organised enough to get an entry together. Let, you know, I, I harped on about it. Well, no, I harped on about that race director I know last week. Yeah. On last week's yep. show. Yep, guy's an idiot. Getting people to enter races before the last week or two is a big enough challenge in itself. Trying to get four. Trying to get four oh. people to be organised. Shooting cats. I just can't see it happening. Yep, there you go. So there you go. So just some interesting stuff. And maybe if you are somebody who is, you know, and involved in your local triathlon community maybe you should try to talk to your community about trying to put an experimental kind of race on like this and it doesn't have to be like what john's got here a multi-day event but even just trying some different stuff because i do think it's good for the sport if the age groupers are actually doing what the pros are doing and yeah. and actually this kind of stuff for, you know for the pointy end it's always going to be hardcore but for the everyday person 
they can turn up to like a three-day event mm. where you did this kind of stuff and, and where your biggest race is an Olympic. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good weekend, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, and it's accessible, which is really important. Okay, this week's discussion is who was the greatest ever female sports short course athlete in the 80s, not ever, in the 80s, and why? And also, feel free to chuck in a few honourable mentions. So Bevan, I'm, 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 the series is starting. We're, We're not the, doing the, the greatest of all time. We're, We're going for the goat. We're doing the greatest of short and long distance of each decade. And what Accumulating I'm, to the GOAT. <laughs> and so what, Scott Molina, if you're listening, um, I'm going to get you in. What I want to try to do, and so whether or not we, we cover this next week or not, I want to have uh, somebody who was sort of in that era talk a little bit in each time. So I want to try to line up some interviews. So, for example, I might try to see if Aaron's available talking. to talk um, – uh, just pause. I can't talk when I'm by myself. No, no. Oh, come it's, on, John. Just, okay, I'm pausing. Wait a second. I'll make myself go to sleep. Oh. Enough, I do enough of that already with other oh, no, people. Door, you keep talking. Joe's here. Is that how you go to sleep at night? You just yeah. basically start talking. <laughs> Most people count sheep or something. You go, oh, so then what happened was... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going so to gonna, oh, I was try, listening. To, try to get somebody from each sort of decade to come in and talk a bit about it because I've, I've got my knowledge on, on some areas it's pretty strong but like for example my knowledge of the 80s is not great 90s and 2000s is pretty good so I'm going to try as we go through the decades to get somebody to come in and, and talk about that sort of period so we're starting with the, the greatest females short course of the 80s I see I've planted the seed last night early last year it's happening yes persistence John I will persist until I succeed John sponsor Extreme endurance. So lactic buffer. And you know what, John? Mm-hmm. It is clinically clinically proven. They have so extreme endurance. Have had a couple of studies done over the years, uh, and it's aimed. This is we're talking their extreme endurance product here that reduces lactic acid by fifteen to twenty six percent, thirty nine percent reduction in oxidative stress, six times lowering of creatine kinase levels, improved aerobic threshold by double digits, and benefits within seventy two hours. Key things are that's also. Uh, imp- Part of informed sport and an informed choice, and guaranteed free of banned substances, compliant with IOC, NCAA, NFL, NBA, NHL, and NBL. So, any of our NBL um, listeners uh, out there, you can take this product safely as well. There you go. Do you know what an NBL is? Is it um, basketball? No, Major League Baseball. Is it? Yeah. Did you say NBL? NBL. Oh, I thought you said N. Because that's the Australian Basketball League, NBL. National Basketball League, isn't it? Is that what the breakers are in? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, that's why I thought basketball. Okay. Yeah, because I couldn't, I couldn't define between the M and the N. And I gotta agree, the seventy-two hours uh, it, it kicks in pretty quick. So I was, I was back on the extreme endurance uh, last week, and Ooh, what uh, was happening last week? And I'm just starting to get cranking towards uh, Wanaka. So I've got oh, to have a few tea sessions. When's Wanaka this weekend? No, next. I'm racing. It's next weekend, seventeenth. Seven, we'll whatever that weekend is. Tapered. Not, not quite yet, not quite When's yet. When's the table again? Uh, probably after tomorrow, actually. I've got a key session tomorrow. What's tomorrow doing? 90 kilometres at half Ironman effort on the bike. Which isn't that hard, is it? Mm, depends how you're feeling. But half Ironman effort shouldn't be killer. Yeah. F- firm effort. Firm yeah. effort. Where do you go? Where do you do 90 k's? I'm biking from Hamner to Christchurch. What do you mean? You're going to Hamner today, going are you? Going to Hamner tonight. Go up for a night. Tie in the old uh, family <laughs> trip. <laughs> the other thing is, I'm going to have. I'll be doing the 90 days. They say men can't do two things at once, but Newsom, Newsom, when it comes to fitting everything together, 
you're a female. So Belinda, I've got an idea, and she just her shoulders drops. What's your idea? <laughs> we'll go to Hamna, family day in Hamna, and then I'll bike home. And you got that kind of sight downhill coming home from Hamna? exactly, but it's going to be a hit win. Oh, bloody Southerlies! Oh God, this is 140 k's. Anyway, so I'm cranking out the extreme endurance, and man, I notice a big difference really quickly when you start getting into it. So if you've got an upcoming race, get on it, Uh, and remember the promo code IAMTALK25 if you're in uh, the UK or any of the European sites. If you're having any challenges with the US site, they've just relaunched a new site. It's looking all spanky, but just email them if you've got any challenges and if the promo code's not working, just get in touch with them. Kiwis and Aussies, you can get in touch with me via coachjohnnewsome.com. Here we go, extremeendurance, xendurance.com. Check it out, great product. John, I'm going to put some music on. One, two, three, four, high five. John, you said you had no content. And then you then I opened the notes. I got one email this morning. Yeah. I got no content. <laughs> I got no What am I going to do? And so then I opened the email. And I was like, well, you've written up shitloads of content. So I thought, well, I'll contribute a little bit. And this Go. is off the wing. And so you, you can help with this because it's your coach. High five on the biggest mistakes that athletes can make that hurt Ironman success. Going generic here. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, that's been an article for like that, a that's a, That is a total article, isn't it? Yeah. The five biggest mistakes that Ironman can make for yeah. success. Number one, not sorting your life out. And that's the biggest thing. From <laughs> that's coach, why I put it on the list. Yeah. From a, from a coaching point of view, when I start with new athletes who maybe haven't been super consistent in the past, it's just getting that. Okay, so let's do this list. I'll announce them and we'll discuss them because okay. this is actually a pretty important one. What do you mean not sorting the life out, John, when, when we well, talk about this? Well, they'll, they'll sort of go, I'm, I'm, yeah, I bike three times a week, but it's a bit haphazard. I'll bike you know, Tuesday mornings, sometimes Thursday nights. And it's just what a coach will often bring is just A, the accountability, but also just that routine. So you go, no, you're biking on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and you're going to do that every week. Well, and that kind of goes into one we talk about later on. But another thing to think about here, and one thing I talk, because I work with my beginner runners, and we always have an introduction seminar. And, and one thing I talk to them about is, are you setting your life up to be successful, or are you setting your life up to fail? And the example I give is, because these people are adding exercise into their life. So a lot of people who are doing triathlon maybe haven't done an Ironman, mm. So they're not used to the, the load increase, but they may already have the exercise habit. Yep. So, you know, they suddenly they've gone from doing maybe eight hours of training a week up to 15 hours, mm-hmm. which is a big life change. Um, and so when we think about, when I talk to my beginner runners, I say, one thing that you need to do as you start this journey is you need to communicate with the people in your life who are going to help you on your journey. So for example, if you're a mother and you have kids and your husband has a tendency to sometimes work late and you know you're going to have to turn up to our Tuesday Thursday night sessions mm-hmm. you need to communicate to your partner you need to be home early on those nights so I can do my session mm-hmm. now you need to do this now because if you don't do it now there's going to be a night where he thinks I can stay a little bit late and you're going to get a note from him well yeah. but if you haven't communicated it mm-hmm. and so what you haven't done well is you haven't set, you've almost set your site life up to fail a little bit mm-hmm. so when you're trying to set up any goal you've got to go A does it fit into my life and what are the adjustments I need to make to my life and then how do I make sure my life sets up correctly so it is that who do I need to communicate to what do I need to communicate to them and how can they support me on that journey and then also not just the people but even just your own how you kind of organise your life so that's that's t- any other um, things to right, add to that's t- number one okay uh, getting the wrong plan okay what are you meaning here well because often I think one of the biggest problems we have is people get a plan 
not really based on their current ability. Mm-hmm. So, like, getting a coach is really important because what a coach will do, a coach will kind of assess where you currently are, and not just as in your physical numbers, not just in your power output and all the rest of it. They'll kind of figure out, you know, a good coach. I remember a while ago I was talking, Joe and I and a group of friends were going down in a, in a drive in a car, and someone was asking me about kind of increasing, trying to train for a marathon or something. And I, the first thing I went to was, um, well, where are you with your training right now? And because a lot of people, they get a plan based on an outcome they want, but it doesn't really consider where they currently are. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of people do is they go, well, I wanna, I've done sprints, I want to done Olympics, mm. I want to do Ironman, so let's go grab some generic program, but it doesn't really consider where you are. Yep. And so when we think about adaptation and the process of trying to grow you from A to B, if you get the wrong plan, you can often just injure yourself. This, this is like a coaching advertisement, isn't it, Bevan? Well, and I'm a nice really work. good coach, com. <laughs> Check it out. And that's what a coach's job is. A coach's job is, you know, when I get a new athlete, and even for our groups, we go, where are you right now? Mm-hmm. And then we've got to go, what's the goal we want to get you to? And then what's the wisest, safest plan and the most effective plan to get you from A to B? Because a lot of people, when they go for an increase in load, is they just get injured. Absolutely. Because they get the totally wrong plan. And it's not, not just duration, it's often intensity as well. Mm-hmm. So like when you build intensity in, that's not something you should just jump on board straight away with. If you <laughs> haven't done any intense training. Ever. Yeah, you, you're just going to injure yourself if you jump onto it. So make sure you get a plan that's going to get you to the goal you want to achieve, but is also considerate of where you are in your journey. Number three. Number three, not trusting the plan. And, and adding in extras everywhere. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Well, and to me, it's almost like, um, I think when you, and particularly if you buy a plan or if you pay for a coach, you're paying for a philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, like if I'm going to use you as my coach, I'm basically saying I'm buying into John Newsom's philosophy. Now, the thing is, you've heard us interview lots of pros over the years. There's different philosophies. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, what they do is, you know, they go to a coach and then they'll read some article on the internet. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And then they go, oh shit, well this article says I need to do this. So they start adding that into their training program. And it's okay to question things because you do want to be learning and that's a- another thing you, what I always say to athletes, you know, you're trying to tap into the, the knowledge that I've got. And so if you got, if you see something and go, should we be doing that? It's fine to question. Yeah, about and, and your and, knowledge and, is evolving as well. And, so, and you then know. you can say, well, we, that's great, but often... We can't do everything. So it might be, I should be doing strength and conditioning four times a week. It's like, well, yes, that's good for you, but how are we going to fit that in? Uh, And so it's always, with triathlon, it's always about lots and lots of trade-offs. And that's the thing is is what's the cost towards benefit, isn't it? Because Mm -hmm. in triathlon, you are limited because time is such a factor in the sport. Mm -hmm. But so to me, it's kind of like, if I'm going to, let's say I'm going to use John as a coach to an Ironman, well, I have to trust him. Mm -hmm. And again, I can question him. Mm -hmm. But if he gives me a plan... I've got to trust that plan Absolutely. because if not, then like he's designing something to get you to the goal. And so if you're not trusting his plan, then you're setting yourself up to fail in the goal. And you're frustrating your coach. Oh, I'm, <laughs> no, John, you'd never get frustrated, would you? Uh, lacking consistency. And, and that's number one, isn't number it? Number one. Yep. It's got to be week in, week in, week in, week out, every week. Uh, not every week, but almost every week. But really, like I think of my Ironman journey, I, after, when I do public talks, I talk about the kind of when I first started as an Ironman, I was a 60% guy. If I had a plan, got 60% of it done. Mm-hmm. And then in my last period, I was a 100% guy. And, you know, the progress I experienced in my last period, and that was when, I was, when there weren't as many gains, but I still made progress, just because turn up, you know, turn up, do there what you, you need to do day in, day out. And then lastly, letting doubt make you lose your focus. 
Okay. So what are you talking there? You know, it's when you, you know, you, it's that kind of thing, like when people get to taper mm-hmm. and they think, oh, I haven't done enough. So they, they start adding some more stuff in or they... Or you have a shitty session and you're going, oh, God, I'm crap. Yep. You know, so just sometimes doubt, learning to deal with doubt is a big part of our sport. And often what happens with doubt is people get a bit irrational and then mm-hmm. we go to irrational behaviours. Mm-hmm. So again, if we go back to consistency, if we if we trust the plan, Stick to the plan, and it's the right plan, and we're consistent with it. You know, we should just tr- we should have confidence, but this doubt pops this little head up. And the thing about our sport is, it's pretty hard to nail it on the day, especially mm-hmm. in Ironman. So you just got to you just got to kind of you know learn to trust and process in a way where you just don't let doubt make you make. Because the thing I'm saying here is that doubt creates irrational thinking, which creates stupid actions. Mm-hmm. So what we've got to do is keep our doubt in check. So we will experience doubt. But then deal with the doubt, but not let us take off our action plan. There you go. So you know, here's my high five. The high five for biggest mistakes and I meant for I meant all success. sorted out now. What about you, John? Anything you want to add to that? No, I'll go into my. I thought we were going to be short on content, but we've got. Uh, we've already been going for God knows how long. Five hours. Five hours. Yep. And I've got my coach's corner coming up. So help me with some music, Evan. Coaches Corner. So, as I said earlier in the introduction, um, we talked last week with uh, another one of those crazy ultra runners, and she was at the, the tail end of that interview with Anne Marie. We sort of talked a bit about the mental skill side of things, and we were doing a last. It must be it was last Wednesday. We were doing a Wahoo Kicker session, and it was bloody hot inside. And we're working our way through this the session, and and. And I do the workout as well, so it's probably not no, not dissimilar to when you do an RPM yep. workout. But I don't. It's not. It's it's all power based, and yeah. so it's more a case you got to work through the the session. And I give a bit of instruction. We've got the screens up there. It's, it's probably not as much. Well, no, it's definitely nowhere much as talking as you do in an RPM yep. session. But occasionally, hey, I'll, you know me, I'm quite a guy. <laughs> occasionally, I'll just uh, yelp out some some feedback or some instructions and I said to the guys look when I yell the stuff out it's usually stuff that's going through my mind to to help me get through the session as well it's what I'm actually thinking and uh, we did these two five minute FTP efforts towards the tail end of the session it might have even been three actually I think it was three and Got, I just got through the, th- the first one. Second one, I just crumbled, and I had to have a little break in the middle. I was like, come on, pull yourself together. <laughs> Third one. Do you feel like, pressure because you are the, the coach? A little bit, a little bit, but yeah. that also has some accountability. Yeah, course, that I've yeah. got to do that. But I have got the ability, because I'm right next to the laptop, I can do the old sneaky decrease my power if I'm really <laughs> desperate. But then on third one, I basically didn't look at the screen at all, and like every minute, I was basically yelling out some sort of instruction, you know, whether it's like to keep your hips square or to keep your, your cadence smooth. And just having that focus of doing that every minute nailed the last rep, um, despite being, you know, even more tired. So, um, so I guess what I'm saying here is, is now I'm going to go through the things that go into my mind as I'm working through the race. Now, this is not um, perfect for everybody. I was talking to another guy that I coached yesterday. Totally different approach. 
numbers stress him out and he just needs to have a relaxed plan yeah. and his plan's totally different. But this is how I do it and, and a lot of people are going to be that are listening are probably quite process driven right, so like me. You. Yep, well, at least, yep. oh, there so, we go. Yep, yep. And uh, the other thing I want to say before I go through this is I'm practicing this stuff not every single session but fairly regularly um, through my key workouts, um, you know, week in, week out. It's not just, uh, let's go to this plan for race day. So pre-race, you know, um, I'm kind of fortunate that I probably don't get as nervous as a lot of people these days because I am reasonably experienced. Been there, done that. Sorry? Been there, done that. Been there, done that. Um, But my process is on pre-race is really to try to be switching on and off. Uh, And so I'm quite good at combat compartmentalizing um, you know what's going through my brain so when I'm thinking about the race I'm sort of just visualizing a strong day thinking about the the real crunch moments of the race so for example we've got you know challenge Wanaka coming up and then the week after next and you know I really crumbled on the run last year and so I'm thinking about those moments and how I'm going to be strong in that um, when I'm not thinking about the race it really is trying to switch completely off um, again if I picture myself down in Wanaka I'll just be wandering around, taking in the scenery, looking at other athletes, uh, listening to the music, um, but really trying to have that ability of just boom, switching off and not using any brain power at all. So I'm not doing any reading or anything like that. It's just trying to switch off and completely relax. Save your energy. Exactly. And mind energy as well. Um, and of course, you know, uh, if doubts come into your mind, which happens for most people, myself included, um, I'll be pretty quick to kind of squash those I'll just recognize that there's some doubt there and then I'll just think back to a moment in the race where I'm going to be very strong or thinking back to you know a fairly recent training performance which was very strong so trying to squash any doubts out pretty quick so roll around to being on the start line just before the swim um, and the thoughts that are going through my mind is really just thinking about the first 100 meters of the swim no thoughts whatsoever about the bike no thoughts about the run nothing about the tail end of the swim it is literally thinking about the first 100 metres and the technique associated with that so I'm just purely going through right when that gun goes I'm going to do x y and z on a on the technique front I'm going to keep my head down I'm going to be looking for fast feet and I've got to admit when I'm on the start line there's no negativity at all it is re- very process driven about that first so no emotions no yeah no. So it's not just negativity you just you know yeah. there's no emotion it's just right job yeah. is Here's what I do. Get through that first 100, 200 and, and with you, it's probably get ready to jump the gun. Go on two. Always <laughs> go on two. I can't say I'm stoked about Challenge Wanaka. They've they've done wave starts this year, so I've got to get through all the, the young guns uh. that start five minutes in front of us. Uh, um, as you all know, once you get underway, all of a sudden the butterflies are gone and, uh, and you're just into it. So as I'm sort of working my way through the start of the swim, uh, it is being just careful not to, to max out. And so that's what's going through my mind. Okay, you can go firm here, but you can't go too hard. Um, and then it's, then, then it's some of those things that, where the doubt might come in. Um, so if, if I'm getting dropped from where I want to be, uh, then it's right, okay, just accept that you're getting dropped and then I'm switching my focus to being much more process driven with my technique, thinking about catch, cadence and for me a big part of my, when I'm swimming better, it's that I've got really good recovery above the water uh, and all I'm thinking about is getting to the next swim boy. 
again, not thinking about the rest of the swim. It's like, okay, just focus on leg by leg as you go through the swim. And it's not until the last sort of 500 metres then I'm sort of switching from that mindset of uh, process and getting to the next swim boy to starting to think about the transition. One thing from a coach, we've talked quite a bit about coaching today, Mm. and one thing, when you come out of the swim, I really take almost zero notice of what the time is. It's almost irrelevant because you're almost always going to be within a few minutes of what you want to do and you've got no idea whether the course has been set long, it's been set short, whether, I don't know, river flows have affected the times. I totally ignore the swim. Um, However, I would say if my position is good, I'll be giving myself, you know, a good mental high five, going good swim. If it's not, if it's a shitty swim and you're going, oh man, that person's here, that person's there, I think I've had a bit of a shit mm. swim, again, it's like compartmentalise and just go, draw a line in the sand and then just move on to the next level. Uh, so I think trying to develop those skills where you can compartmentalise things and just draw a line, move on is really important. Moving on to the bike, um, for me, it's very much about trying to get relaxed, focusing on my numbers and keeping my breathing smooth. And so those are quite um, you know, um, physical things when I say focus on the numbers and keep the breathing smooth, but that's what's going, going through my mind. Um, there's the things that go wrong for me on the bike, uh, often, um, especially at cooler races, have really cold and heavy legs um, at the start of the ride, and so then I'm trying to not get negative about that and just thinking, I know that uh, it takes me a while to get warmed up, I'm trying to just tell myself just to limit your losses and, and trying to stick to the numbers as best I can, even if it's starting to hurt. So for example, you know, often for me at races, my perceived effort at the start of the event is quite high, yet my numbers are relatively low. So I've got to work quite hard to get my power, and, um, but my heart rate's often low. So just, just got to tell myself, just trust the numbers and you'll be okay. I have a question for you, because I know for you, your perceived area of weakness in the sport is cycling. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you know, you're swimming, you're strong, you're a good runner, and it's not that you're a weak cyclist, but I, you mm. know, that's the bit you've always kind of been. Uh, does that pop up in your head when you're racing? Um, we'll probably come to that a little bit as we work through. Uh, I wouldn't say it, it doesn't get me down, but I just accept it. Okay. And uh, and so if people start, well, maybe I'll if I'm if I'm getting dropped, um, you know. So Challenge Monica last last time, I had a couple of guys that were pulling away from me, and now I've got the confidence. And once you've had some good races, you have the confidence going. I know if I ride X, Y, Z power, I can, I, can, I can run quite yeah. well. And and I know from experience that most athletes ride too hard early on. And so I'll be going, okay, if I can stay with them, I will. If I'm getting dropped, I, basically my mindset is they're either better than me and that's okay. I'll hopefully catch them on the run or they're riding too hard. And, and So, so I you often, found a perspective that allows you to deal with it better. Mm, yeah. And I often find that they're going too hard and so that that gives me a bit of enjoyment as well going that guy's drilling himself there's no way they can keep keep that up um so yeah getting dropped for me on the bike is a is commonplace you know like in challenge road i was just getting i mean granted that a lot of them were pros but i was just getting absolutely annihilated but didn't really get down about it at all um it's just we all have those areas where we're weak mm. and and often when we have to experience that moment of weakness we can kind of just it can it can affect us in a way that again takes us off task Mm. and it's just again kind of knowing you know like uh, you know, just knowing the, how to deal with it so you stay on task, I suppose. Yeah, but it's also, for me, it acts as a bit of a cue to make sure that I 
I'm keeping my focus. So for example, if somebody's just a little bit quicker than me, then I'm really trying to focus and my mindset is make sure you do all the little things right. Mm. So you know, as you approach a hill, make sure your gear changes, are, and this is going through my mind, make sure your gear changes are really smooth, you're staying aero for the right amount of time. When you're getting to the top of the climb, make sure you're cresting it really well. And that way, if that person's just a little bit quicker than you, if they're not doing all those things right, then you might actually be able to stay with them. So sometimes people passing me actually helps me to keep, um, to keep you know, keep some focus and give me something else to think about. Mm. Uh, as I'm working through the ride, I'm very much, again, like the swim, just focusing on little segments, so breaking it into landmarks. Really do not think about like the full bike ride in its entirety, whether it's 90Ks or 180. It's literally, like in Wanaka, it's like getting to that turn point, getting to the next turn point, getting to that point, getting to that point. Uh, it's not thinking about the ride in its entirety. Uh, always reminding myself um, that in the second half I'll be strong uh, and sometimes that's a bit dis- delusional but it's um, it's I'm telling myself that that's, that's what's going to happen. Uh, whenever I start to struggle and we all struggle when we're going through through races then I switch to technique mode so I'm thinking smooth pedal strokes, thinking about my position on the bike, I'm thinking about a relaxed body and making sure my core is engaged and that takes up time which is great um, so there's less chance of negativity to come through and um, uh, and also should make you faster if you're riding with good technique. Yeah. Um, often feel rubbish on the bike, um, and if I'm f- having a real shocker of a day, I'll be convincing myself that I'll be running well. So if my power's low, my speed's crappy, and I'm just getting caned, I'll be going, okay, this, you know, I accept it. But then I also tell myself that it's chances are I'm going to have a very, very good run today because I'm not able to to push out as much effort on the bike. Uh, I focus on limiting my losses. So if I'm losing time, I'll be going, okay, just focus on this, this, and this, and just try to limit your losses, assess my nutrition, trying to keep my mind sort of occupied. And on a course, again, like Wanaka, um, taking some time just to mentally chill out on some of the downhills. So if you've got a downhill that's maybe a minute to two minutes long, just completely freewheeling, relaxing the body, just let your mind try to go calm and blank and just try to have a bit of a regroup. Um, and the run is kind of kind of similar. Um, big focus on relaxation and that's what's going through my mind early and then whenever it starts to get a little bit tough, then it's a, a shift to, to technique focus and just working through, through processes, posture, cadence, technique, checking nutrition and setting lots of goals. Um, and then... When it gets tough, batten down the hatches and basically just treat it as 1K intervals. I always think, I always think you have an ABC goal as well. Uh, in terms of times? Or just because just what happens often in... Like one time I did the Christchurch Marathon and I had an A, I just had a goal. Hmm. And I just turned into a headwind and my, hmm. my case split dropped by 15 seconds and I knew at that moment and it was just it was just a win thing. I just couldn't get there. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of gave up. Yeah. And Because and, I only had one goal and... You know, and the goal was, I wasn't a stupid goal, it was realistic, but, uh, you know, just that day I wasn't going to get there. And I always was disappointed with that race. And I just think it's always good to have, you know, C is kind of... A, acceptable. Yeah, C is acceptable. Mm-hmm. A is gold day. Yeah. And B is Strong still, day. you know, still, you know, good. like, for example, I'm training a lady for a half marathon right now. She's um, she's aiming to go sub two, and she's made massive gains recently. And the, the sub two is a massive goal for her because her best before this was like 208. Mm-hmm. But her last training run, she said, I'm race pace for half the race and, and ran 205 in her training run. So she's, you know, a sub two, if she gets it right, is awesome. Yeah. 
uh, sub 205, great big goal because it's still a PB. Mm. Sub, uh, uh, you know, just anything under the PB is a C yeah. and anything over that's just And I just think what, because if you only go on with one goal, we just get despondent. Mm-hmm. And whereas if you've got the bit of an A, B or C, when that moment where maybe it's slipping away that the A goal is going, it could still keep you in the game. Absolutely. Because sometimes we just get to that point where the A, the A goal is gone. It's like, oh, okay, I must just pull it home. Mm. And, and really what we want to get in a race is to get to the end of the race and go, you know what? I gave my best. Yeah. You know? And and look, one of the probably the key mental challenge that I face when I'm racing is settling for where I'm at and going, Oh, it's okay, this is not too that's not too bad, it's all right. You think, yeah. Yeah, so for example You justify it, don't you? You've had a you've had a good okay swim, you've had an okay bike, and then you're having a, you've had the first half of the run's been been okay and then the wheels are starting to fall off and you go, Okay, I'm I'm still gonna be okay here mm. uh, and that's the big battle that I think probably all of us focus you know have to deal with in the second half of the run uh, is keeping on task and that's a real challenge um, and so what I try to do is again it's all about catching that thought accepting it and then having a bit of a conversation on what really is going to be acceptable and so the same thing happened for me a couple of weeks ago when we had a little sprint triathlon it was only a little practice event um, we there was three of three of us came off the bike together and the pecking order kind of sorted itself out pretty quickly in the first k and then i i was almost settling for it going okay i'm sitting, sitting second here pace is all right i've had a pretty decent yeah. bike ride yep. and then i thought no come on just pull yourself together focus on just trying to keep it even keep pushing and focus on the next k and then all of a sudden I started catching this guy and then, then then it's a bit more motivating because you're going oh i could actually catch this guy so that's a big challenge for all of us is is just not settling for where you're at and so practicing your training not to do that so if, if you're doing a simulation session and you're halfway through the run and you're going oh, I'm supposed to be sitting on five minute k's all the way through this and I have done for the first half and I've hit my numbers on the bike it's okay to let it fade practice not settling going no it's not okay I'm going to stick with this pace and even if this kills me I'm still going to do it mm. just got to keep practicing and training so hopefully that's given you a bit of insight on what goes through my mind on race day Stuff. Um, good times. Okay, so that's uh, Kutcher's Corner. Let's just do a quick wanger of the week. Wanger of the week. Do you need to go as deep now? Because we've done like an hour and a half. Okay, I'll save that for another day. But okay. I will give uh, uh, the wanger of the week from last week because we had somebody who just missed out. Oh, uh, so close. Good old Pete McLeod. He's doing a training camp down in Wanaka by himself or with his partner Kerry. And he just missed out. He's second place, 26 hours and 28 minutes. Uh, he was half an hour behind Koa Sports coach, and then Scott Babel was in third with 23 hours. And on the female side, a regular up the top there, Sonia, oh no, Sonia Pippin. Now she did the highest total distance yeah. in 734 kilometres. Koa Sports. Good work. That'd Pete McLeod sitting in second place again this week. He's in 7 hours and 56 minutes already. Come on, Pete. Is he doing Wanaka? Is he, he doing your Ironman New Zealand? I got 59th last week, Bevan. Jeez, creepy. That's 59th pretty good. and I did, how many hours training did I do? I did 14 hours and one minutes. That's quite a lot for me. I'm normally about sort of 10 to 12, 14 hours. Barry Breffel took me out by, how did he take me out? He's got 14 hours and 10 minutes and I, I oh know he took me out by nine minutes. 
Okay. Let's do it. Questions and answers. Okay, so Brad Lewis just sent through. He's just talking about the cost of racing and going to the World Champs. And he just said, I raced in the 19, oh, sorry, 2017 World Championships in Rotterdam as an age grouper in a standard distance event. All up, everything inclusive, less food and personal sightseeing costs, was approximately $6,500. Wow. Worth every cent. The race outcome was not the focus. I raced an amazing course, met some amazing people, and we was immersed in such an amazing event, something I will never forget and would recommend to anyone. So there you go. Nice work. I wonder where he came from. I think um, it was Australia. Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure he sent from Australia. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. I, I do think when you look at the world champs, it's a once in a lifer, isn't it? It's well, a once in a It's an experience that you're paying for. Yeah, it's like uh, doing Kona for a lot of people, isn't it? Mm. You know, like let's be honest, most people going to Kona aren't really looking to win their age group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just to have that experience, and it's <laughs> it's an expensive experience. It is. And just that's, that's the way it is, John. We've got a new patron. We have Jackie Noons. Now, we're going to put in a little clip in a moment from Jackie because she sent through an audio clip, which I love. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah. So on that file that I sent you, there's an audio clip. So we'll chuck that in a second. Okay. Um, Do you want to do that now? Yes. Okay, here's here's Jackie. Hello, I am Talk Peoples. This is Jackie Noons from Castle Rock, Colorado. I'm about 90K from Boulder, and I like it that way. I'm training for Oceanside, St. George, Challenge Roth, the 70.3 Champs in Nice, and either Florida or Argentina. Coach does not yet know about the late year races. Oops. I found you all through some posts on the Cupcake Cartel Team Facebook page. As one Kiwi lady said, you've got a lot of catching up to do. I want to say howdy-do to Cal Millam and Elise Selzy, my friends Polly and Agnes and Sydney, and all the other lovely cuppies that I met when I was there in December. I've gone from a is 1648 at Port Macquarie to a blistering 1543 at Arizona, so I still have a lot of work to do. I love what Dr. Paul Wood said. Get better, not good. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I was introduced to Sam the Flippin' Man in Kona this past October. He's a nice kid. I am of the Nana-aged racer set, and I love triathlon. Cheers to the two of you. She sounds lovely. She does indeed. Sounds lovely. But then she gives us a photo where we got a, we were thinking Looney Tunes, John. Well, that's the thing. So there's a picture of Jackie, and she's uh, that's in Kona. She's helping out in Kona doing something. I assume she's, she's like in the media. Out. She's got a helper's she? t-shirt on. Yeah. She's got these big hands on, like um, Mickey Mouse hands. Mickey Mouse hands. Yeah. And because her surname's Noons. Well, you got like, Noon, Looney Noony. Looney Tunes Noons. Looney Tunes Noons. There you go. There you go. It's there Jackie we go. Looney Tunes Noons. You know what I love about listening to her message? It's just how much to her community. You know? And that's what the sport's so much about. You know, it's so much about growth and experience and all the rest of it. But it's so much about just having a group of people who kind of similar-minded people, mm-hmm. kind of enjoying the same thing. You know, she's been going around the world meeting some people. Just really great stuff, isn't it? Absolutely, Cal Mill was doing a good job there with Cupcakes with Cal. Hopefully, he comes out with a few more videos. People love the videos, but yeah, he's focusing while, on the training. It? Yeah, come on, shaping up Cupcakes. Uh, so, Jackie, thank you very much for being a patron. Let's name a couple of us, John. We've got Craig, the Time Lord McCarthy. We've got Adam, the King Turner. Nick Nose Rose, and we've got uh, Mark. The Unpredictable Woolshire. If you want to be a patron, just go to www.imtalk.me and you'll see a little link for our patronage page. And each, basically, each time we release the show, you kind of donate. It's a monthly payment, isn't it? Yes. 
Yep. And uh, you can contribute to different levels. And if you want to be like Jackie, you can contribute like she did. And you can also put your little plug to your world in the show as well. So, www.iamtalk.me. John, let's just do sponsors. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And they rock. If you want to email us, just iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, if you want to be a patron, you know what to do. If you want coaching, it's been a good, big coaching show today, John. Yes. Coachjohnnewsome.com. Uh, if you want to check out my website, Bevan Jeff. I've actually got a, I'm interviewing hopefully this week, a guy who's a specialist on persistence. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he's, he's got some really good work, so I'm really looking interested. So that won't be coming out till next Monday, but if you want to check that out, bevanjamesoles.com. If you want to email us of Age Group of the Week, call websites, feedback, just email us. I want some Age Groupers of the Week listeners. Come on, you've got to think back to last year. Somebody you know that there's some cool things or they've had a good story. Start sending through some more Age Groupers of the Week. Okay, and we'll, we'll probably get the Ironman New Zealand ones in a couple of weeks. Yes, yeah. You know? Think back to last year. Think back Surely somebody think in your community has done something last good. Yeah. Okay, Jombo, what's your goss? What's my goss? Going up to Hamlin this afternoon. So we have a public holiday in New Zealand tomorrow, which is called oh, Waitangi Day. So I thought, uh, right, we're going to jump in the car straight after school, drive to Hamlin, which is about an hour and a half away. So you did this purely so you could bike back? Well, there's a couple of angles there. Here we go, here we go. Because I bought this pass to get into the pool. It's like really cheap because yep. it's but really it expensive to go. Yeah, it expires on tomorrow. And so you I know what I did the other day? I was in Auckland. And I thought, go to the movies and grab one on the on the newspaper because it costs you like 20 bucks to go to the movies in Auckland. Mm-hmm. And Christchurch is like 11. So I grabbed one and had a, a $8.50. Mm-hmm. And I was like, sweet. I want, I want to go to movies anyway. Go on, grab one. Bam, bam. Turn up. February only. Yeah, there <laughs> oh, you go. What a waste of money! So it cost me twenty eight bucks to go to the movies. So, so that was part of my thinking. But it also, what I like about that is it kind of forces us to get out of town. So it's like, got, got, <laughs> here we go. I'm justifying myself for fourteen hours. I've saved, uh, I've saved myself forty bucks or something, or fifty bucks on a pool pass. Where I've got about one hundred fifty bucks for accommodation. <laughs> we're going to have a dinner. We'll go out for lunch. Petrol. Petrol. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay. Um, but it's, I love I love Hamner Springs. It's a fantastic place. It is a good spot. Uh, and hey, it's even to, better when you get to bike home. And that's the thing. You didn't even think to, about that, did you? I got oh, I did. Uh, and then I've got a, a key bike session to do. And then I'll be racing on Friday night, doing a little short race. I might be a little fatigued for that. that. And Lake Crichton, a little super sprint again. Nice. And then I've got, I've, got, oh God, I've got to write a letter to the editor today <gasps> or tomorrow. I was lying in bed last night, couldn't get to sleep. Some selfish bastards were out there partying all night at a bloody rock concert. Oh, don't be that guy, John. Selfish bastards. Don't I was be, trying to could sleep. Could you hear it? Could you hear it? Yeah, because the wind was, A, the wind was blowing in the right direction. We probably live about 5Ks as the yeah, crow flies, yep, I'd yep, say. Yep. And uh, it wasn't loud, but you could hear it. Damn that Bevan, he's at Phil Collins. It was pretty good. I can feel it in the air tonight. You can feel it in the air tonight, John. <laughs> he was pretty good. You know what? He's got so many hits. Like we we're going to walk him back to the car, and it's probably four or five of his big songs he didn't play. Oh, and, yeah. and it's not that you felt you were lacking because he's got so many hits. But you did feel it in the air tonight. You did, you did get that one. Yeah. You did, I actually put that up on, on Insta and Facebook. Um, but like I love groovy kind of love and didn't play that. Oh really? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And there was like there was a couple of songs he didn't play, um, and also like he's, he's screwed. Like he can't walk basically. Oh really? Yeah. So he basically comes out on stage and he's like on a walking stick. And Joe goes, "Oh, this is a good joke," because he was always a bit of a character, wasn't he? Yeah. I was like, "No, no, no," because I'd heard that he, he couldn't. And I was like, oh, "No, no, he's going to sit down all night." And he basically goes out, he walks out on a walking stick, and then he just sits down. Mm. And then now the thing is, nowadays the shows are amazing cameras and lights and the band and everything so it doesn't seem like it's lacking energy and it can still the thing about it is because we went to Toto and Jefferson Aeroplane a few weeks ago as well and um, they just sound so 
good. Mm. The sound is like you, nowadays. Back in the old days, you go to a concert and a really good band would sound a lot like the CD, mm-hmm. but a lot of bands didn't. They were mm. kind of a less of a standard. Whereas nowadays, you go to it and it's CD quality, man. Like it was, it was pretty nice. bloody impressive. So I'm glad it went. Definitely, we glad it went. Definitely, what was good about it, John? Made me feel very young. <laughs> nice. Because <laughs> when we went to the Toto concert, because I suppose the Africa songs brought it back with the youth. Mm-hmm. So there was there was quite a few young people. It was a mixed age. With, with Phil Collins, Joe and I and the crew, we were, we were definitely the youngies. Yep. Mm-hmm. We were definitely the young crew. So that was quite good. So, yep. Any other goss? Um, that's about it, I think. Did a bit of ha- home handyman, but myself a planter box at the weekend. Always get a bit of satisfaction when you do some Where'd you put your construction. Box? Out the back. Nice. Yeah. Got get my son. Ve- um, I've got to trim a few trees. Okay. But bloody guinea pigs are eating all my vegetables. I've got to put more vegetables in for them to eat. Ah. So my ve- my, my. How big is your planter box? Like that big? No, no, no. It's uh, it's three metres long and about 50 centimetres wide. It's my third one that I've got. Oh, so you've got... Quite long. Oh, okay. Mm. What do you plant? What do you plant at this time uh, of year? Lettuces. A lot of lettuce. Bit of spinach. Like we found out we can't. We're not supposed to give the guinea pig spinach, so that was good. To oh, learn. really? That's good to know. Um, well, not strawberries right now, but then the strawberries herbs. are still going. Are they? Yeah. Lucky you. I know. Coriander. Oh, I love coriander. Mm-hmm. Do you like coriander? I love coriander. That's I love coriander. Oh. That's about it. What's happening in your world, Bevan? Well, I went to Phil Collins. Twenty-eight dollar movie. 28 bucks. Weather report today in Christchurch, another 29 degree day. It's a great cloud. It's a weird cloud, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's a weird cloud. We are having a cloud. I'll tell you what I am loving. Loving being the nosy neighbour. Yeah. I live in a great area. I pointed out a tree pre-show and he gave me the full rundown. I was like, you've been talking to Doris down the road and and, uh, Barry next door. We've moved into it. So our house is about 18 months old. And we've moved into an area that's a new development, but we were one of the first houses to be built. Mm-hmm. So this house has been built. There's one just to the left us. They moved in about Mike, Mike and Marie. They're lovely. Yeah. They moved in just to the left us about well, about three or four months ago. Uh, that one then has been built. Though that one's just been sold. I'm mm-hmm. Trying to figure out how much they got because mm-hmm. you go to homes.com, man, but they haven't quite got that up yet. Yeah. Because I think when it, we, we think we know what they got, but you, yeah. you want to know, don't you? Yeah. You yeah. want you know when you want to should we go to the auction? Joe watched it online, right. <laughs> but it got turned in. <laughs> so, but across the road from what's happening right now, John, yeah, the diggers are out, aren't they? The diggers are out. They're, they're digging the digging the big holes and the house is getting done. And then even this morning, back over there, there's another digger, John. Mm-hmm. So I tell you what, it's a great time to be a nosy neighbour. Was that? It's a bigger digger, the little, bigger little digger. yellow digger, the bigger digger. Yeah, the bigger digger, and uh, and you kind of make judgments on the choices they're making, mm-hmm. you know? Because I, I I'm not sure sure about the black back on that house. Right. What do you think, John? I'm not. It seems to be more, more and more popular. The black on the house. Yeah, it really is. Because right. that house down there's done the same it thing. Must get hot, mustn't it? That's what well, that's what you is. think. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, they're not small houses. So, I would like to be able to drive a digger. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. ever come to New Zealand? There's digger world down in Invercargill, and you can go and drive proper diggers. Really? Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. It's awesome watching them because they just. What I find fascinating because they, they get the survey to come out and he's marking the ground, but they do such a good job of digging it out. Digger talk. Take Not me. That's <laughs> <laughs> our next show. Yeah. There we go. There we go. So I'm just being a nosy neighbor, basically. It's the story of my go. life. And you're probably going to hear more in the next few months because I reckon it's probably going to be three years before this area is finished developed. Absolutely. And the rest. Well, not really because you've got that, that site there. Yeah. There's three down there. Both Great there. podcast when we were pointing People are out. loving it. Yeah. They, love, they love hearing about real estate. Yeah. It's a bird flying past as well. Yeah. Bird in the air. 
Ayn Rust. I'm Indo. Trying to. Trades, man. Kia kaha.